Welcome to the podcast Game Changers with Jeff Newkirk, formerly known as Understandable Solutions. I'm your host, Jeff Newkirk. Today on the Game Changers podcast, I have a returning guest, Don Candy. Don, welcome back. Great to have you. Thank you, thank Jeff. You, thank you for taking the time. So Don and I have known each other for, uh, I don't know, three years, maybe, three or years, something yes. like that. So. And then uh, we spent some time together with an organization called Hands of Justice. Um, I think a very important organization. Um, their mission is to help those overcoming human trafficking. So, and that organization has moved along and it's great to participate in that. It's good to participate with you. Thank you. So, I enjoy you being on the board with us. <laughs> thank you. Um, so Don, since you've been on, it was probably over a year ago or so, uh, bring us up to speed on your business and how things are going. So my company is I Promote You. We are a strategic marketing company here in the Woodlands area in Montgomery County, Texas. And uh, we specialize in promotional products and corporate apparel. And since last interview with you on your podcast, our business has grown exponentially. We've added two staff members. Uh, we are looking for a third currently at this time. That growth has had to have been because you were on the podcast. I'm sure that it was. I'm sure that <laughs> contributed to that success. But um, it's been amazing since October of 2021 how we've seen business just continue to grow month after month. And so I'm very fortunate for that. I will tell you it does not come with, you know, no challenges, of course, when you're growing your business. When you've been a solopreneur and all of a sudden now you've got employees and you have to take that information that you've had in your head for so long and document things and communicate those things because unfortunately yeah. <laughs> your staff members can't necessarily do that Vulcan mind meld and just right. get all the information. They can't from read everything that's going on in your head. No, they can't. And so that's been a big challenge, but it's also been very exciting and, you know, finding the right people. Um, I have talked to a lot of people in our community that say, you're so fortunate to have found employees in yeah. this climate that we're in. And well, that's know, a good point. That is, it is a challenge right now. It is, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, and this sounds a little crazy, but you know, I said a prayer, I put it in the universe that I was looking for people. And I just asked that, you know, God just bring me the right people. And he has, and you know, I'm awesome. really fortunate for that because all of us have the same core values. We all are just personalities that want to help people. Yeah. We don't sell product. We help solve problems. We help customers grow their business. And each one of us has that passion for that. So I think that uh, the, the starting point there is making sure that you're aligned with your values. Yes. Core values. Some I talk about all the time. I'm pretty passionate about it. And I do think that once you have somebody on board who aligns with you yes. and how you think, how you conduct business, um, just basically your value structure. It makes things so much easier. It does. And, and it's just, it creates that sense of consistency in the community as well, because no matter who they talk to, whether it's myself or the other two, we're all, ha we all have the same message. Right. And so from your perspective as the owner, it's, you don't feel like you necessarily have to not that you would anyway, but micromanage them. Oh, gosh, no. Because uh, that wouldn't work out well anyway. But, <laughs> That's I mean, right. especially if they have your work ethic and 
you know, because I can't see you liking to be micromanaged. No, <laughs> I, I don't want to be, and I don't want to do it yeah. for other people. I feel like we're all grownups here. We Absolutely. all know what the job is. Let's get it done. Yeah. yeah. So, so good, good. The business is growing. And so what does 23 look like for your business? Even yeah. more growth? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I anticipate that. One of the things that I intentionally did in 2021 is start focusing on what do I want out of this business? And primarily it is for the business to run without me because I have a passion to do some public speaking. I love to do workshops and, and seminars and things to educate people. And so I want to do more of that. That's kind of my happy place. And so I can't do that if I also have to run yeah. the business or be in the business every single day. And so the goal has been since 2021 to really start working on that and setting that foundation and making sure that it can function without me being in it day in, day out. That's awesome. Yeah. Because your your impact is way beyond the business. I mean, you have a successful business, but your impact to the community and the world can go way beyond the doors of your business. We talked about this before. and. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I thought politics was going to be in your future, but if you are somehow adding value through what you're doing in public speaking or whatever the case is, you're going to you're going to do awesome, and people are going to respond to that. Yeah, and I'm I'm on a journey right now trying to figure out what that looks like for me because I do you know you posed the question about taking my political career a step further, and I was hesitant to say yes, no, whatever, but. I have to say in a lot of the things that in that I do in the community legislation comes up a lot mm-hmm. and you know the the common thread on the things that I work on that I have such a heart for are injustices hands and of justice hands of justice is mm-hmm. a great example of that but I have experienced a lot of things in my life that um, people would call tragedy mm-hmm. and I've don't focus on the negative of those, but what I do do is take the positive from it, the silver lining that came from that, and I figure out a way to pour into the organization that helped me or help other, I hate to say victims because that's a negative word to me, people that are are overcoming Mm -hmm. those types of situations. I want to figure out a way to pour into them to help them. And legislation's been coming up a lot lately in the last six months or so, and I don't care for politics. I really don't. Um, I'm not a political I person, but understand I understand that completely. Yeah, I mean, it kind of turns your stomach a little bit. It does because you know it has such a negative connotation to it. And so, but I am definitely an advocate, and I know yeah. that there's a great place for me to be able to plug in some way, somehow, advocating for these overcomers, for these families. Um, in these situations and talking to legislators about this to make laws that make sense, things that can be enforced, because I think it's a waste of time otherwise. Why do we do it? It just doesn't make sense. And and I I understand what you're saying about the word victim. Yes. And it's one thing to to be a victim and then continue to be a victim and a victim and a victim over and over and over. Right. You've got to overcome that. That's right. But they also need a voice. They do, and many times they're afraid, you know. Exactly. And it's... um, If you can be that voice, then more power to you because that's what they need. They need somebody out there that that can speak on their behalf to what they need. 
Right. Because there's so many people in legislation who don't respond. It's that's just the truth. Well, and and I really believe that they don't respond because they have no connection. They have lack of knowledge. It is. It is a complete lack of knowledge. They don't understand because they've never been impacted by some of these things. They don't according to them they don't know anyone that's been affected. And yeah, that's not true. That is definitely not true. It's just that they're not asking the right questions of the people they know to find out their story. And truth be told, I mean, some of this subject matter is pretty ugly. Nobody wants to talk about it. That's you know, very true. The whole true. sex trafficking thing, yes. and to justice. Nobody wants to talk about that. That's exactly right. People think that if they turn the other way and they don't see it, then it's not going to impact their family or put their head in the sand. It doesn't exist. That's not true. Absolutely so not. one of the things that we do, I mean, as you know, is just try to create that awareness in the community so that people that are living in our communities understand not to be afraid of it, to be aware of it, to understand what it looks like. And so, to address it when they see it. Yes. E to, even the possibility. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So it's, it's really that education piece. We're not trying to instill fear. We're just trying to create that awareness so we can help save their children, their family yes. from going through the situation that our family has gone through. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it really is about helping other people. For sure. That yeah. servant leadership mentality, yeah. which you embody so well. Thank you. So in the spirit of game changers, uh, Dawn, who in your life has been the biggest game changer to you or for you and has really influenced you as to who you are today? Well, I think we've talked about this a few times in, in my life. It's the strong women in my life. And that was my mother, my grandmother, um, two of my grandmothers, actually. And just the, you know, the more I get to talk to my mom about things that she went through um, when she was working in her career, she was in a very male dominated um, community as far well, as she corporate. Do? She was an executive secretary to a okay. CEO of a hospital. Oh, really? Um, she worked, okay. yes, she worked there for a while and she was also in the oil and gas industry and she helped with transportation and logistics. And mm -hmm. so she, she did a lot of things where it was all male dominated. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and during that time, I'm going to say back in the seventies and eighties, she was harassed on the job because really? she was a very attractive female and she wasn't always taken seriously. And so just hearing some of the stories from her about what she had to deal with and, and handle in the job. And, and then I can't really relate mm -hmm. because things changed between our generations of me coming up into the corporate world and yeah, thank goodness. Yes. Thank goodness. But I really, yeah, that, that, even I can remember back in, uh, the mid to late 80s when I so I graduated from college in 86 and uh, you know started my career right out of college and uh, worked in a bank and I don't I don't remember uh, I don't think my head was in the sand but a lot of harassment at least around me yeah I'm sure it happened I'm, I'm sure it did yeah but I think before the 80s like you know maybe 70s, 60s, I mean, I think it happened a lot. I think so too, and I think it was very commonplace, and people did just turn the other way and act like it wasn't happening, and women just had to endure, right? Yeah. And, I mean, if they wanted to keep the job, they had to just deal with it. And so, you know, I really admire her for putting up with the things that she did, but she also spoke up for herself, and so I think that's part of where I get my voice today is, you know, knowing that she was able to do that and to, um, you know, 
be just be a voice for other women even yeah. you know and talk about how the workplace should not be a place of have, having fear of how they're going to be treated that day so that must be where you get it a little bit a little bit yeah, yeah. and then you know maybe some on my dad's side you know because he was he was much more outgoing he was the salesman in our family and things like that he did a lot of community service and always had that voice for the less fortunate and those who didn't have a voice too so I get it from both sides of that but um, from my parents but my grandparents my grandmothers they were just amazing women and you know my mom my mom's mom had eight kids wow big family <laughs> big family <laughs> yeah so I think about that and I think oh my goodness you know I had two and I was going bananas but um, how did she manage that she managed the household my grandfather was in the army and they moved a lot and so what she had to go through to raise those eight children without his help oftentimes you know that is wow that's a daunting task <laughs> it is eight kids was yeah. what was the range in age oh my gosh um so i can't even tell I mean, you could the older older ones help take care of the younger ones i mean um i mean that's almost a baseball team yeah it is almost a bit <laughs> you're you're right so it's interesting because my mom was the second oldest Okay. And then um, the youngest one, I want to say, is 15 years younger than my mom, maybe a little bit more than that. So that's the range. And my mom, yes, absolutely did help with the younger ones. But, the, you know, there was some boys sprinkled in there. Crazy household of energy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. She tells lots of stories about my uncles and how awful they were when they were younger. So, <laughs> <laughs> so wow. yeah. So my grandmother did have help, but if you think about all those challenges too, and, and they lived in Germany for a while, so it wasn't just here in the United States they're moving around, but they, they lived in other countries, and so ha having to deal with all of that. So I really, you know, in thinking about her, she really instilled a lot with me about family and just, you know, we enjoyed sitting on the front porch at her house and just having conversation all day long. Mm -hmm having music playing in the background and just connecting and so that was really well, that's important. something you don't hear these days i know connecting mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's it's so different you know i started thinking about it would how interesting would it be for you to have a family gathering and have everybody put their cell phone in a basket at the door and just have them sit and talk how long would it take for the conversation to start i think everybody under 25 would have some kind of a breakdown they might <laughs> i mean it's awkward if you think about it because people although that in that silence they want to say something but nobody wants to go first mm -hmm. right <laughs> you know right. but so. for those of us older it's not it might be a little bit of a challenge but we've been there right yes i mean we didn't we didn't grow up with a phone attached to our hip that's right we did not and we had to you know even as small children we had to be creative because we didn't have iPads and movies on the television we had to go outside and play and we loved it right yeah. we didn't want to spend the day inside doing sun up anything to sun down. that's right. right you know you went home and the street lights came on mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of thing we had like three channels on TV yeah and, and you were the, the remote way, control. I was just gonna say <laughs> no we had no remote control <laughs> I don't think my kids even understand what what do you mean you, you had to actually go to the tv and change the channel yeah like there are no buttons on the tv yeah well there was a dial yes yes <laughs> and then talk about the antenna and you know i don't know if you guys had rabbit ears with tinfoil but sometimes we did and absolutely <laughs> and the and not just on the tv but then we had the antenna on the roof on the roof yeah you know and a bad storm would mm -hmm. come you know come by and, and then the antenna we'd have to go up and fix it yeah 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 kids yeah. these days don't they, they don't they, know what it's like I know. 
they and we really had to walk don't. to school uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> so you you have definitely blazed a trail for sure. You know, you in the community, you've done so many wonderful things. Um, the one thing that I mean, so many, but one thing that comes to mind, uh, the restaurant association. So how is that? So tell us a little bit more about that and how is that going now? Well, so they they are going now. Uh, they do have a president, a local restaurateur, and they are. But you having... started that here in Montgomery County. Yeah, so I started the chapter in two thousand eight, um, and it was really be out of what I felt like was a need. I saw a need, and I had to, of course, get that verified and validated that from restaurant friends to say, "Hey, you guys are part of the Houston Restaurant Association, but you're here in Montgomery County." If there were a chapter here, would you attend? Would you participate? And all of them said, yes, we don't go to anything in Houston because it's such a long drive for us, you know, during the, the traffic times that they have those meetings or what the, whatever the events are. And so they said, absolutely, it would save us time in our day if we could have something right here in our county. Great. Okay. So, you know, reaching out to the Texas Restaurant Association to find out how do we start a chapter in our local community? And they said, oh, we're so excited. Yes, what restaurant do you own? And I said, well, I don't own one. And they said, oh, well, I'm sorry, you can't do that. And they hung up. And, and it, was, it was, I remember driving in my That's car. That's the last thing you want to do to Don Candy, <laughs> hang up on her. I was like, uh, uh, no, you didn't. No, you did not just hang up on me. So I called right back and I said, um, okay, you were just talking to me. I said, if I did own a restaurant, tell me how I would start a chapter in my local community. Oh, okay, yeah, no problem. We'll email you this two-page document and all of these things are, you know, on this checklist, you have to tick them off and then you can become a chapter. And I said, okay, great. And so it was, you know, gathering my restaurant friends that I knew in the community through the Chamber of Commerce and just said, hey, you know, I really wanna see if there, there's an interest here. I don't mm -hmm. wanna start anything if I'm gonna have to pull everybody along, right? And so, we decided to do a focus group meeting and we had 60 people show up at our focus group meeting. That says a lot. It said a lot. Yeah. And the Texas restaurant. And it wasn't was Zoom. It wasn't Zoom. It was in person <laughs> actually at the city of Shenandoah in their um, city council chambers mm -hmm. because it was the largest place we could meet. And so I, I invited the Texas Restaurant Association to come in and do a presentation about membership and benefits and all of that. So some of these people were members of Houston's Restaurant Association, mm -hmm. which is part of the Texas Restaurant Association. Others were not and didn't know anything about it and didn't understand what the benefits were. So I said, come in, talk about the benefits, talk about what you do for restaurants, and let's see if we can start a chapter here after you guys do this presentation. And afterwards, they had such positive feedback. They said, we're gonna help you start this chapter. And I was like, Thank you. This is amazing. Yeah. You know, but you started it. I mean, you started the ball rolling. I started the ball rolling and thank goodness, you know, with my restaurant friends who served on the board, you know, because that's the way it has to be structured and everything. We created opportunities for them to come together and do some networking, learn from each other. But I got to tell you that first meeting was so awkward and uncomfortable because mm -hmm. restaurant tours, and food service industry like a U.S. Foods and a Cisco Foods, they're competitors. They compete for our business every single day. Restaurants mm -hmm. do. Right. 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 They didn't want to be in the same room with anybody that was competition. Uh, why would Why would they talk to each other? The funny thing is, yeah. yes. So they stood at opposite sides of the room and didn't talk to each other until 
somebody like myself would go up and start having a conversation. And we started hearing some similar issues, whether it was an employee issue, maybe it's food cost, um, you know, whatever it was. And it was like, well, you know, this restaurant's having that same challenge. Maybe you guys could get together and just kind of talk about it and solve a problem mm -hmm. for, for yourselves just by talking to another restaurateur. And so then they started coming together. They became friends. They started talking wow. to each other during these meetings and even outside those meetings. They would go have lunch with each other. They would go have a drink with each other. So you developed a culture. It was so amazing to see them come out of their shell and realize. But they had to know that it was it was okay to do that. Yeah. I mean, they, they had to have somebody kind of coerce them or at least suggest yeah. to them that this is a good thing. Right. So I considered myself a facilitator in those meetings. Let me help facilitate these conversations to yeah. start. And you guys take the ball and run with it. And it was it was truly amazing to see how that came together and how they worked together. And I mean, to this day, the Restaurant Association, I'll say in 2020 when the pandemic happened and there was also the baby formula shortage. Mm -hmm. You remember the, oh, yeah. during the time. Yep. This restaurant association got their restaurateurs together and said, you know, some of our food service industries have access to baby formula. Let's get it, get it to our restaurant and let's do a community distribution. Anybody that needs it, let's do that. So that was one way they helped out mm -hmm. and, and the association helped put that connection yep. together. There were also restaurateurs that said, you know, I can get milk and eggs and bread and things like that, that some of the grocery stores were closed or, you know, didn't have their supply. Restaurateurs started ordering extra so communities could actually come to their restaurant and pick up those food items that they needed for their families during the pandemic. So it was just, you know, when you think about those things, it's amazing to see how they work together and for the good of the community. It's not just about their restaurant. Right. It's right. about the community. It goes beyond that. Yeah. So here's what an interesting point, though, and all, all that. So you don't own a restaurant. I don't. You go to restaurants. I do. Yep. But you don't own one. Your business is not in the, not, doesn't have anything to do with food. It doesn't have anything to do with food. However, a restaurant could hire me, and I do have a restaurant that works with me um, for uniforms and promotional right. things. Right. So, yes, it would. Indirectly. Indirectly, yes. But here's the point you are out in the community helping and making a difference, adding value when it's not anything that that really has to do with your core business itself or what you do on a daily basis. You saw a need, you took action, and you made a difference. Yes, that, that is true. That's a game changer, totally. Thank you. So thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. So in order to, to keep going and, and get through days that are sometimes challenging, and we have challenging days. We do. Uh, what keeps you motivated and inspired? Well, I think part of it is just my true passion for wanting to help people. And, you know, when I have those negative thoughts come through, those challenging days where things just don't seem to be going right, I am a very optimistic person. And I think, okay, what can I do about this challenge? How can I turn this around? What can I create? Some, how can I create something positive from this experience? And so I look for those things. And anytime there is fear that comes into my my being and I, and I get that kind of angst, mm -hmm. you know, fears, false evidence appearing real, I just say it's I a lie. I thought it was forget ever achieving results. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> false 
false evidence appearing real. All right. All right. I, I just stop and say, you know what? That's not true. It's a lie. And I yeah. know I can figure this out. And but fear creeps in and takes over. It doesn't take if, over anymore. If you let it. That's right. It doesn't take over anymore. Yes, it used to for me. So, you know, in the beginning, we talked about my business growing and me having two employees. I would not have had that unless I told myself, do it afraid. Just do it afraid. You'll figure it out. I like that saying. You know? Do it afraid. And it helps me, you know, in our in our previous interview, my word for the year was fearless. And I told you because it reminds me to fear less, right? But yep. it also gives me that passionate drive to be fearless. Mm -hmm. And so it's the same thing. And, and just so I took both of those things at the last quarter of last year, that was my mantra was just do it afraid, Dawn. You're going to figure it out. You've got great people around you, great resources in this community that if you don't know what you're doing, you can get somebody to help you either. They'll teach you how to do it or they can do it for you. Mm -hmm. Right. So because you never do it by yourself. We, we talked about that. You don't can't. do this by yourself. You That's don't right. do life by yourself. No. No. You know, it's same thing in business. You can't. It's, it's not possible. It, it is, uh, if you think you can do it, which um, many <laughs> things in my life, I thought, well, I'm going to just do this on my own. Yeah. It hasn't always turned out so good. Well, and you're not happy doing it, right? Because it's not in your wheelhouse. It's not your comfort zone. It's not your, and I hate to say comfort zone because. That's, that's true. It is true, but you know what? You can't live in your comfort zone or you don't no. grow. Exactly. Yeah. You, you will not grow <laughs> and learn and gain experience by staying in your comfort zone. You got to get right. uncomfortable. You've got to challenge yourself. Mm -hmm. And I mean, again, there are certain things, you know, that I just don't want to do because I'm not good at them. I don't do my own bookkeeping. I don't do my own payroll. Those are things that honestly scare the heck out of me. I don't want to mess with that. So I leave that to the professionals and I'm in a much happier place. Absolutely. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. So for those folks out there who want to make a difference, but don't know where to start or even like what their mindset should be, what suggestions would you have for those folks? I think to start, I would say, what are you passionate about? Is there something in your life that you see as a common thread that you can actually take action on. What does that look like for you? Is there a place you could go and volunteer? If you have no idea whatsoever, just start volunteering in different places and just see. Just You'd get a feel. You'd be surprised how many organizations are out there that need volunteers. Yes, they like all in do. Montgomery County alone here in Texas, there's probably I knew the number one time, but I'm going to say like. 1,500 nonprofits? Yeah, I think it's closer to 2,000. I mean, mm -hmm. plenty yeah. of opportunities to get out and get involved. Yes, and the great thing is you're going to be giving back to a local organization by volunteering your time, and you're going to help others in the process. But, you know, sometimes volunteering on the front line is not um, what people are geared for. You right. Know? And, and right. I'm going to use myself as an example. Hands of Justice and the organizations that we partner with, mm -hmm. um, a lot of them are boots on the ground and go to what they call the track where there are people being trafficked all the time and they talk to those people that are still in those situations, male and female. I'm not equipped for that. That is, that is not 
something I feel comfortable with. I don't think I would be effective there. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like I'm effective with Hands of Justice is helping to make connections for other organizations, for corporations, for community leaders to know about the organization. I'm an advocate, I'm a voice, I am a family member. And so I use those parts to be able to advance the organization. So I'm more, Mm -hmm. I'll say behind the scenes, so to speak, in a way, in what I'm doing, because that's where I feel like my strength is. Mm -hmm. And so if you're out there looking for a place to volunteer or help or whatever. It doesn't have to be on the front line of something if you're not comfortable there. There's a place for you. If you've got a gift for marketing, they need help in their marketing department. If you love being on social media, they need people to help post things on social media to create awareness for their nonprofit. There's so many ways you can volunteer. They also need somebody to do the books. That's right. Right? They sure do. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, not always on the front lines. Although in the hands of justice, I would say you're a support group leader or yes. facilitator. Yes, I am a support group um, facilitator for family members who have um, have member family members yeah. who are being trafficked. So, not really on the front line, right? Necessarily, because you're not going to that location. However, you're there to talk to folks who are either overcoming or our family members, and that is huge support. That is so important because they need that. They do need that, and that was one thing I, I identified as I got connected to Hands of Justice in realizing that there wasn't a piece for family, and, and that's where I was. I was a family member, and so, you know, yes, the, the person that is being trafficked is the victim, but the family suffers too. No question. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that is my mission for Hands of Justice is to make sure that a family member has a seat at the table yeah. and is heard and understood. And so in our support group, you know, my goal is to really share with them um, my experiences on how to navigate this, but to be really more of a sounding board for them and a support for them, whatever they need, because yeah. it's very emotional. Oh, and and it's like we said, it's a, it's a subject that nobody wants to talk about. And one of the things that I've learned is there are a, a whole lot more men out there that have been abused and trafficked than we'd ever thought. That's true. And the numbers are growing as far as males. Very scary. Mm-hmm. And they need somebody. Yes. So, yeah. Very yeah. important organization. Yeah. Uh, and thanks for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing. Absolutely. So what's next for Dawn Candy? What is, what's going to happen later this year, next year, five years from now? Not just your business, but you. So for me personally, I'm really working on um, finding my purpose and my message because I want to work on public speaking and sharing more of my story, not not just to share my story, but to help people um, know that no matter what they're going through, and they oftentimes, oftentimes when we go through things, we think we're the only one that has mm-hmm. this feeling or this thought or whatever. But what do you do with that? How do you push through it? How do you overcome it yourself? Um, I want to be able to share that. And so I am looking to fine tune that message. I am looking to do more public speaking. I, I really believe that- Good for there, you, good for you. Yeah, I, I believe that there's that. A, a place for me to do that. Mm-hmm. I just We're don't- We're gonna see you on a big stage one day. You know, I've had that dream. I've had that dream- We're going to. That I, I will know. be on a big stage. 
Um, if it's not politics, it's, you're going to be on a big stage somewhere influencing the masses. I hope so, and I hope that the message, I mean, my message today is that it, it won't be about me. It's going to be all about the people that are sitting there listening to me and that they will hear what they need to hear at the time to help them with whatever that is, whatever that subject happens to be. That's, that is the critical point. Yeah. As a public speaker, if you are thinking about yourself, your message is not going to resonate. It's not going to come across. If you are thinking of the people in the audience and how you can add value to them right. or provide the information that they need or that could help them, that's the difference. Yeah. And you do that. Yeah. That's what I sure. want to do. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Well, thanks for coming on again. It's been a great conversation. Time flies when we're talking. It sure does. So, and I hope you're going to come on again to I would Game love Changers. It. Anytime. Cool. Awesome. And thank you so much, everybody, for listening to Game Changers. It's been a great episode with Don Candy. Look forward to having her back. I want to thank my sponsor, Undersummers.com. So, Undersummers.com, they are dedicated to help women love their. I feel so crazy reading this, but <laughs> Undersummers.com is dedicated to help women love their thighs with ultra comfortable, non shapewear slip shorts. So, basically, underwear. Great company, great people. Check it out, undersummers.com. Your first purchase, you'll get you 15% off when you enter the code SOLUTIONS. That's S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N-S. Undersummers.com. Again, great people, great product. Thanks for sponsoring Game Changers. And everybody, thanks again for tuning in. Today was a great day. Tomorrow is going to be even better. Peace, everyone.